If you've hurt someone you care about and you're ready to make a change to stop behaviors that keep pushing the people you love away, go to healedbeing.com. Over there, I teach a life-changing program that is going to guide you on the exact steps you need to take to show up as the most loving and supportive person you can be for those who love you. Healedbeing.com Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and this is the show that helps you learn the skill set you need to deal with life's challenges in the most emotionally intelligent way. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. Glad you are here. Got a long email that I'm not going to read you. <laughs> read you parts of it. And uh, that's all you need to hear, just parts of it, because um, there are a lot of details that um, I don't want to share for their confidentiality. But I'm going to go ahead and just read this email. It is about a person who has a difficult mother. (laughs) Anybody out there have a difficult mother? You might relate to this. So let's get moving here. We've got a story that has spanned over the last two decades. This is the person writing. I can't think of anyone else in the world who might be able to untangle the complexity and messiness of my issue. And I'm just going to skip through her email here. Uh, She says, my mom's relationship with both of her parents was rocky. Um, She described her mother, her mom's mom, as selfish and cold. And her mother had always favored her brother's. I guess this person's uncles. My mother's father, my grandfather, was physically abusive and absent, so she had her fair share of abuse before she met my father. My father is a difficult man, cruel, he controls things, he wants to break a person's spirit until they can no longer fight him. I've seen him do it many times, so that is what he did. He bullied my mother until she left everything for him, her job, she cut off her friends and even stopped talking to her family for years at a time. He was physically, emotionally, and verbally abusive, and he still is. I have no hope that he will change. Uh, My mother has no one left. Her father died, her mother died. Her whole life is me and my siblings and her husband. Throughout my life, I have defended my mother against my father, and she has come to me to complain about him since I was young. I have heard about their issues my whole life. I have cried with her, I have held her, and I I have begged her to leave him. Their issues eclipsed my entire life. I would think about ways to help them both almost all the time. Now, uh, let me see. My mother breaks my heart. For years, she used me as a therapist. I felt like she put the weight of the world on my shoulders each time she confided in me. I felt like I was failing her, like I needed to fix things. And uh, my father moved away when I was a teenager, and the world came crashing down. However, I was no longer in a constant state of trying to survive. I could finally think clearly, and I thought that when he moved away, the issues would end. But they didn't. My mother was needy and demanding. I tried to keep up, but I couldn't. 
She wanted constant attention and reassurance. All she could do was talk about my father, how terrible her life was, and how she felt like we didn't do enough or care about her enough. My mental health was so bad at this point, I felt like I was drowning all the time, and I hated her for being the one to hold my head underwater. But I didn't show her that I resented her. I continued to act like everything was fine. I did beg her over and over again to stop talking about my dad all the time because it hurt me and I wanted to move on, but she refused and she continued to talk about him. Let me skip down a little bit. I've always gritted my teeth and tolerated whenever she'd snap at me because I understand she can't stand up for herself against my dad, so I stayed quiet and took the yelling and left. Whenever I have an emotional outburst or do anything my mother doesn't like, she repays it in kind and says really hurtful things or just mocks me. When I recently told her that she does that, that she is not a nice person all the time, and that she can hurt my feelings, it caused her to spiral. She began screaming about all the ways she cares and all the things she does for me, and how that should fix the times that she is mean. Then she started crying and despairing. It gutted me to do it, but she only calmed down when I admitted that I had been overly sensitive and selfish, that I was wrong to say those things, and that there was something wrong with with me in my head, and that is why I don't appreciate her enough. She was happy after that. She said over and over that she couldn't fathom at all that she wasn't nice or mean, so it made a lot more sense to her that I was in the wrong. Paul, (laughs) I just need to know if I'm being unfair. Am I asking for too much? I understand that my mother is being abused by my dad, but I do not think it's too much to ask her to be kinder when she speaks to me. I know she does a lot for me. She tries so hard to make things easier for us uh, a lot of the time. I guess I'm just confused, and I would love your insight. I want to make sure that I'm not like my dad, and I'm not treating her badly. It's important to me that I am a good daughter. There it is. I cut it down. It was really long. (laughs) But I wanted to express a lot of what she said, or at least bring up some points so that I could talk about them. Thank you so much for writing this. You didn't tell me your age, and you didn't tell me your living situation. It almost sounds like you're still living there. And you did say that when you were a teen, your dad left. And uh, what did you say? Was that years ago? I, I forget. But I think you're fairly young. You might be fairly young. I'm not going to mention what age I think you are. And you might also be still living with her. If you're not, I guess I could formulate my my response here, my thoughts, either way. If you are still living with her, then you're probably going to have to deal with her until you leave. Because you are under, not necessarily her rules, although you are, but her dysfunction. You are sort of her crutch, her supply. Her neediness is draining you. And I don't expect her to change that. When someone's really needy and they've been abused, they've had trauma, and the person abusing them then leaves or doesn't leave, they find the person that's been abused usually tries to find another person to control because that gives them a sense of control in their life. Not everyone does this, but there are some victims of abuse that uh, whether they're still being abused or not, they need to feel a sense of control. And um, when they don't feel it, 
there are vulnerable people around them that they can control and that gives them a sense of feeling better about themselves um, that might make up for the lack of control that they had because when you feel like you're in control you feel like you're empowered empowerment is the ability to make choices to do your own thing uh, without somebody else controlling you like it's almost the the opposite of being controlled and so when you have been controlled for a, a long time or most of your life then the controller goes away who are you and if you don't know yourself you'll probably default to some some sort of dysfunctional behavior so your mom might be defaulting to this dysfunctional behavior and with all due respect to your mom if she has been traumatized if she has been abused then she is probably acting in ways uh, or at least acting from that trauma and she probably does need to talk to somebody she probably does need professional help or at least talk to somebody talk to anybody a best friend to get some of this stuff that she's holding on to out because this is what happens we are upset or angry or feel completely oppressed by someone else for a period of time or a really long time and um, we hold that in because if we take it out on them we'll get abused so we hold that in until we find someone vulnerable to take it out on so you may be that vulnerable person you probably are I mean from what you said you are and uh, because you're that vulnerable person you are now part of the abuse cycle you are now the victim of abuse and you were probably the victim of abuse before when your dad was in the picture but um, now your mom is using you for that whatever supply she needs whether it's a narcissistic supply or just a trauma response like her coping mechanism is unhealthy so she uses you to find control in her life that's not an excuse that's not a healthy loving supportive thing for a mom to do with her daughter or for anyone to do with anyone else now what has happened here is that you have become it almost sounds like you're a middle child if you're the middle child that's usually the balanced one the, the one who likes to calm things down to neutralize to uh, make sure there's no conflict and so that may have been you if you're not the middle child but you still stepped into that role I was the middle child I stepped into that role throughout my life I tried to step in and make sure uh, that nothing happened I tried to neutralize situations so that sounds like what you've been doing and your mom has used you as that crutch that shoulder to cry on and caused or forced you to grow up fast and be her therapist like you said now that's highly dysfunctional because now you're not growing up as a child you're growing up as a support system with um, only a few years of life on the planet because you said when you were very young she started doing this and you have no life experience outside the only few years that you've been alive inside your house and maybe you went to school but you haven't experienced relationships you haven't experienced work you haven't experienced you know anything outside being a child so for someone an adult to rely on you for a support system puts a heck of a lot of weight and pressure on you so you can't be 
an adult's support system. It's usually the other way around. Mommy, I hurt my thumb. Will you kiss it? You know, this is the, what kids do. Kids need support. And it shouldn't be the other way around. So you're already at a disadvantage being the child that was your mom, your mom's support system. And uh, that disadvantage, it can actually benefit you in life, but it definitely is a disadvantage to you when you're growing up, especially because now the family dynamic is switched around. So here you are in a dynamic that's switched around and you are technically still, um, well, I, I didn't call you this before, but it sounds like you're the parent. And if you're the parent that has to nurture and care for the child, but the child is being, uh, you know, your mom is being hurtful, then what do you have to do? You have to tell the child, no, you can't do this. That's hurtful. I won't allow that. I won't accept that. And at one point you did. <laughs> you said that uh, one day, uh, I don't think I read this, one day she was trying to come in the room while you were changing, and you said, no, don't come in here. And she said, I'm coming in. And you said, no, don't come in here. And it was highly elevated, and she came in anyway, and then you had a screaming match, and your boundaries were violated. She violated your boundaries. So now you have, uh, if you were the proverbial mom, that saw her child come in the room against her wishes, you would yell at your mom, which is your proverbial child, and say, you're not supposed to be in here, leave. And she didn't leave. So now you have um, a child that's in an adult body that is a, a conflict. And I know I'm sounding confusing here, but uh, the point is when a person acts like a child needs you and cries to you and complains to you and wants you to hear everything and be traumatized by the person doing it because not only is she complaining to you but she's also being selfish and disempowering you making you feel bad and making you feel like you're the problem uh, there's a whole lot going on here and I could go on and on but um, there's a lot of components to this abusive relationship and um, it, that's what it is. It's an abusive relationship, and it's important that you understand that. And um, I'm going to talk about a couple of things that you uh, said here I highlighted. One of them was, I begged her over and over to stop talking about my dad all the time because it hurt me, and I wanted to move on. But she refused, and she continued to talk about him. And so why does somebody continue doing something? That's my question to you. Why does someone continue doing something? You tell them to stop. Why do they continue doing it? What is the main reason someone will continue doing something that you don't want them to do? What is the main reason I'm asking you? If you don't know, the main reason is accountability. If there's no accountability for them doing behavior that you don't want them to do, they'll keep doing it. The problem is we think we are applying accountability when we really aren't. We have to know what is a loss to them. When you want to apply accountability to someone, you have to know what makes them feel uh, like they're losing something. If your tears and your hurt and your sadness or your anger or your screaming, if none of those work, 
then there's no point in doing them anymore for accountability. I know you might be saying, but I really am hurt and I can't help crying or I can't help screaming. That may be true. But don't do it believing that it will stop her behavior because we already know like toxic behavior is like a a freight train. It's not going to stop until something big enough, something um, substantial enough stops it. Emotionally abusive, toxic behavior continues to go down the track with tons of momentum and tons of weight behind it because there's a whole history, unfortunately, of trauma in her past that she hasn't coped with yet, that she hasn't healed from yet. And so when someone hasn't healed from trauma, they can either go inward and be reflective and think about things and try to heal, or they can push it outward and push it onto others because when they're in pain, they don't want to deal with that pain, so they push that pain and suffering onto others so that they don't have to deal with it themselves. And there are all kinds of ways that people who have had trauma in their past deal with their trauma or don't deal with their trauma. And pushing it onto others is unfortunately a very common thing and that is how emotional abuse is born, or any abusive behavior, is that they can't cope with it in themselves, and when they don't, and they choose to push it onto someone else, that makes other people suffer. And that can be a generational thing. That can go on in someone's family over and over and over again. You said her grandfather was abusive. So there is the cycle never being broken. Why is the cycle never broken? You know the answer. The freight train doesn't stop until there's something substantial enough to stop it. Maybe the track needs to be cut and it needs to derail. It's metaphoric, of course, but the freight train of emotional abuse just continues to barrel down the track, smashing into anything in its way, And it doesn't stop until the loss is big enough. And that's the accountability part. So you can beg, you can plead, you can cry, you can scream. If you've done any of that before and she hasn't stopped, she won't. This is a fact. This is something that I want you to accept. You can choose to accept it or not. It's your choice, but if you do, believe it or not, life gets a little easier. Not necessarily for that relationship, but in your mind, life will get a little easier because a lot of us will spend time or waste time hoping that someone finally gets it. Maybe they'll finally get it this time. Maybe they'll finally see how much they're hurting me. Maybe they'll finally understand that I am so hurt and I am so devastated that they don't love me and I can't love them back that they'll stop doing what hurts me and get healthier. Maybe this time will be that time. Anything you've done in the past that hasn't stopped the behavior will not work in the future. Anything that you've done, anything that you've felt, anything that you've conveyed will not make something stop if it hasn't stopped in the past. That's just a fact. You can't get past that fact. And it's a very hard pill to swallow. I know it is. Because we want to connect 
with this person. We want this person, her mom, she wants a mom. She wants a healthy mom. She wants to be able to talk to her mom. She even wants to have compassion for her mom. But her mom keeps emotionally beating her, and it it's driving her crazy, and it's draining her, and it's really causing a problem in the relationship. So this is where she is. She's, she's stuck. Am I going crazy? Is it me? And um, what did she say? I, I just want to make sure that I'm not like my dad, and I'm not treating her badly. And this is the last thing she said. It is important to me that I am a good daughter. Now that stuck out to me as well. It's important to me that I'm a good daughter. Why? Why do you have to show up as a good daughter? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, that's a dumb question. I mean, of course I want to be a good daughter. Well, wait a minute. Um, why wouldn't you want your mom to be a good mother? Well, Paul, I just said that. <laughs> I just said that in so many words. I want her to be a good mother. Yeah, but what it seems to me you're doing is taking the responsibility that if you're not a good daughter, that you deserve this treatment. Paul, I didn't say that. I'm putting words in your mouth and I apologize. I'm just trying to have a conversation with you when you're not here. <laughs> so here I am asking you, why is it important for you to be a good daughter? Why? If it's a dumb question, I want you to think deeper. Well, if I'm a good daughter, how, how are you going to finish that? Are you going to say, if I'm a good daughter, she'll treat me better? Because you're wrong. That's not how this works. You have to have a healthy person in your life to be your mom, a healthy person to see you as a daughter, no matter how good or bad you are, to see you that you are worthy and deserving of better treatment. You are worthy and deserving of love and kindness and compassion and support. You are worthy of being treated like the wonderful person you are. It's important to me that I am a good daughter. You know what? You're already there. If it's important to you, you're already a good daughter. You're already there. No bad daughter, <laughs> no bad person says, it's important that I'm good. It just doesn't work. Now, the person saying, it's important that I'm good, might have done bad things, might have hurt other people. Yeah, it's important to be a good person and do good behavior. But when you try to connect with someone who makes it so hard and they try to blame you and they never apologize and they keep crushing you like that emotionally abusive freight train I was talking about, when you can't seem to connect with somebody at a deeper level where there's actual familial love, where there's love between family members, when you're trying, that's great. And even if you don't try, it, it might still be good if that other person's toxic. And maybe that's part of this. Maybe you shouldn't try. Is that good advice? I don't know. Maybe trying is what drains you. Maybe when you try too hard, it drains you. Guess what you've been doing all your life? You've been trying. You've been trying to connect. You've been trying to meet her in the middle. You've been trying to help her understand how she's hurting you. She doesn't get it, and she won't get it. I hate to be so blunt with you, but I also love being so blunt with you because I want you to understand that if you accept that, 
if you accept that she will never get it because she is who she is and unless she has a major accident with a concussion that suddenly changes her brain chemistry or she has some sort of epiphany or some sort of religious event where her whole life changes she's not going to change she is who she is and so when we accept that a person is who they are that means the rest of our interaction falls on us because we know how they're going to show up hey if I honor myself in front of them they're going to try to dishonor me if I want to enforce my personal boundaries they're going to try to violate them if I have values they're going to crush them everything is more important to them than it is to me so now I know that now I know that every interaction they have a selfish reason they have a selfish purpose what if I'm wrong that's the question what if I'm wrong Paul what if she does have a side of her that is soft and gentle and kind and supportive and loving and caring could be but you'll never know if you continue to be who you are with her that means all your reactions your screaming your crying your sadness your anger whatever it is all those reactions none of those have made a difference and so you have to assume that it's not going to so what does that mean for you that means you've tried everything you can that means there's nothing more you can do how can I live with that I I know that I can heal this this might be someone's thought out there I know that this it can be healed she wasn't always mean maybe that's a, a thought too she, she wasn't always mean or how about this it's not her fault that might all be true it's not her fault she's been abused in her life she is toxic because other people are toxic to her that might be 100% true and so how can we stop that we can't <laughs> I hate to break it to you we cannot stop that train that is going to barrel through you you're gonna get stuck on the tracks if you try anything to stop it all you can do is do what you need to do for you to protect yourself you need to protect yourself and you need to also be resilient if you live with her because if you stay living with her and you can't leave yet then you need to probably learn some resilience strategies here what is one way you might not want to take anything personal because it's not about you you're just there as her target and if you weren't there somebody else would take your place and so um, you know I say all of this with confidence even though there's a chance I could be wrong the chance I'm wrong however is overridden by the fact that let's just say that she does change if she does then what harm has been done we've protected ourselves we've said it's not about us it's about her and uh, now she's changing wow this is great now I can reconnect so this is not necessarily where I'm steering you today but I want to give you this foundational stuff so that you understand that no matter how hard you try no matter how good of a daughter you try to be it will never ever be enough not for someone like that it will never be enough and I, I say this knowing that I don't know her I only know your perception of her but 
I've read so many messages like this that say, I have tried this. I am nice here. I am accommodating here. I try and I try and I try and it's all about trying. I'm trying this, trying this, trying this. And no matter what I do, they're mad at me. They make me feel bad. They make me feel guilty. They say it's my fault. It's the same thing over and over and over again. The kindest, sweetest, most compassionate people get taken advantage of by these kind of people. And again, with all due respect to your mom, I know she's been through a lot. She's been through trauma, but now she's putting you through it. And that has to stop. So if you live with her, when are you moving out? Can you move out? What are your options? That's, again, that's not my answer. I'm just asking you, is, is this something that you can do? Living with somebody, especially when you are their child, you are under a certain set of, let's say, boundaries, their boundaries, toxic boundaries even, but you're still there. And so you, you kind of have to survive until you get out. But when you get out, now you're free. And this is the second part of my, part of my answer to you is that if you're not living together, how are you connecting with her? Is it on the phone? Is it in person? Is it through email? How are you connecting? When you're not living together, it should be easier. It should be easier for you to say, hey, if you talk to me like that again, uh, don't bother calling again. That sounds really rude. No, it sounds like you're honoring yourself. And this is a perception shift that I want you to make as well, is that you don't see it as hurting someone else. You don't see it as um, not being good enough or not trying hard enough. You see it as what you need to do for you so that you are no longer exposed to toxic behavior and you get treated the way you deserve to be treated. Period. You sent me a message and you said, this is going to be a long one. I didn't read that on the air, but you said at the beginning, this is going to be a long one, so settle in, Paul. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the whole story. It doesn't have to be long. All it has to be is you thinking, what will I accept and what won't I accept in my life? And what am I going to do to enforce that? I won't accept being disrespected. How about that? Okay. How am I going to enforce that? I don't know. <laughs> I may not have the resources. I may not have the reference to do that. Meaning, I've never done that before, at least with my mom. Well, this is where something might need to change in you so that you can provide that accountability. This isn't easy. I'm not saying that all you need to do is say, Mom, stop, or else. I would probably say that myself. <laughs> but that's me. Mom, stop it, or else. What do you mean, or else? What does that mean? Is that a threat? Yes. <laughs> Mom, it's a threat. Well, what are you saying? You're going to hit me? No, I'm going to stop talking to you. That's my or else. Well, that doesn't sound like a threat. Take it as you will. Take it any way you want. These are my terms. You disrespect me. I don't talk to you. It's really easy to meet me at my terms. I don't disrespect you, so I expect the same back. Now, I know when I say this, I sound confident. I sound like I can do it really easy, and I can just go up to anyone and say that. No, it's hard. This is hard stuff. This is the difference between 
Uh, someone who is always accommodating, always people-pleasing, trying to rescue, trying to fix, that is a very codependent personality trait. And what you're explaining here, what you're describing in your message is a lot of codependency. And it is helpful to look up the codependent traits online. And I think I have an episode on codependency as well, theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And um, there are groups that you can join, like um, CODA, is it? Codependence Anonymous. And you can learn about this. Because anyone who's been in a traumatic upbringing, when they are the type of person that rescues, that fixes, that wants to help others, even though those are fantastic qualities and you can bring those out into the real world and be really helpful, uh, they can be very dysfunctional qualities in the type of family dynamic that you describe. I hope I've given you enough to think about because there may have been a lot that went on in your family. But the way I look at things is today is the only day that matters and tomorrow will be the only day that matters and the next day and the next day because whatever happened yesterday doesn't matter anymore. I mean, it does to a certain extent, but what is happening today? How are you being treated today? And what can you do about it today? Because really that's all you're seeing is behavior that shows up today. It may have been happening over and over and over again for years, but now we are at today. So when this happens today, what am I going to do about it today? This is removing the history because the history has a lot of trauma. The history has a lot of maybe fear. The history has a lot of dysfunction. But now we wipe the slate clean and we say, let's just look at this as if there were no history. I have no history with my mom. So how she shows up today will be my first time judging this situation and being discerning. Oh, okay. So if she comes into my room and says something mean, what would I do? Well, you don't have any history, so you don't know how she's going to respond. So what would you do? The first thing that happens or should happen is that you access how you feel about yourself and ask yourself, how do I want to be treated? That's the very first thing you should do. How do I feel about myself? Well, I love myself. I, I really care about myself. I want to have a great life. I want to be happy. And how do you want to be treated? I want to be treated with kindness and respect and love and support and compassion. I want all of that. Okay, what's the second question? How is she treating you? Well, she's treating me terribly. She's disrespecting me. She's making me feel bad. Do you want to be treated like that? Of course not. What are you going to do about it? You might say, I can't do anything about it. You might be in that situation. That's why I asked if you live there or not. If you live there, you might not be able to do anything about it. Because it might be difficult to continue living there if you say, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. If you continue disrespecting me, I'm not going to talk to you. Because what are you going to do? Now you have to go downstairs and you can't discuss breakfast or lunch or dinner. You can't discuss uh, if you can use the car. Again, this is if you live together. But if you don't live together, I'm not saying it's easier, but it is. <laughs> it's easier to say, sorry, can't talk to you. Call me back when you feel like being respectful. Because I'm respectful to you and I expect the same back. But if you live together, it's a little it's a little challenging. So this is why I said, you know, you can't take it personal because that's who they are. They're never going to change. 
It's hard not to take personal because they're directing it at you. You are the target. What do you do? You ask yourself, how do I feel about myself? How do I want to be treated? Are they treating me this way, the way I want to be treated? Or how are they treating me? Will I accept it? If I accept it, guess what happens? If you are okay with it, something that you said that um, was very telling, you said, uh, guess what? I'm oversensitive, mom. And you're right. I was selfish. It was a wrong thing for me to say. And there's something wrong with me. It's my. It's in my head. And I don't appreciate appreciate you enough. That's where you went. And because you went there, this further tells her that it's okay to be who she is and do what she does. I'm not saying that you caused her to do that. She's doing that on her own. But what you said by admitting all this stuff lets her know that it's okay to continue being who she is. And again, I'm not putting you down for that. I'm not blaming you for that. What I'm telling you is that if you live together, you might have to play that game. I mean, let's just go there for a second. You might have to play that game for a little while. You're right, it's me. Sorry. Until you get away. You might have to play the game so that the tension and the stress and all this toxicity decreases. As it decreases, life gets a little bit easier. She's a little bit easier to handle. And that can help you get through it. But don't blame yourself for her behavior. Don't think that you're not good enough. Don't think that you're not anything enough because you're plenty. You have done a lot or you have tolerated a lot. And the roles have been reversed. She has been using you as her shoulder to cry on, which I'm not saying is always a bad thing. Sometimes, you know, family member relies on each other and supports each other. But you were a child when all this started. So where was your childhood? Your childhood was taking care of your mom. And sometimes we have to do that. But in such a toxic, abusive situation, that can cause much, much uh, dysfunction in the family. And uh, that's what's happened here. So now you have my input. I don't know if it's brilliant. (laughs) It may just be slightly helpful or maybe you got something from it, but I will say this, if you are living together, then if you know that the situation isn't going to change, what are your options? When are you leaving? Can you leave? And I guess I should answer the question, what if I can't leave? If you can't leave, then you might have to be in a position where you honor yourself anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. If I couldn't leave, then I would probably just honor myself anyway and I would do it, and this is my philosophy, I would do it with love and respect for them. So what I'm saying is I honor myself with love for them. That's how I operate. That means if I'm in my room and she comes in and she starts disrespecting me and putting me down and bullying me, I would have to say, look, I don't want to be bullied. Please stop that. And if she said, I'm not bullying you, you're just being overly sensitive. I would probably say something like, well, that may be true, but it still feels like bullying and it hurts. Will you please stop? That's where I go. And I talk about this kind of stuff over at loveandabuse.com. If you are in any type of toxic relationship, loveandabuse.com is where I talk about how to deal with these types of situations. So you may get a lot from that show as well. If you haven't heard it already, 
and I recommend you go there. But, you know, when I put myself in your shoes, I think if I can't leave, if I have no choice, I'm either going to make it easier on myself by placating and just saying, oh, it's probably my fault, sorry. I might do that. I might play that game. Or if I knew I wasn't going to be able to leave, I might just have to start showing them that, hey, this is who I am. If you don't like it, it's your problem, not mine. But, you know, you can't do that in every situation. Sometimes it's very dangerous, and I don't know the details there. But, again, I hope this helps. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back after this. I have a few more words, and uh, I'm not sure about what yet. I'll let you know (laughs) after this message. Be right back after this. One of the sponsors on today's episode is Fisher Wallace Labs. Now, this is cool. Fisher Wallace Labs creates a device made specifically for the treatment of insomnia, anxiety, and depression. And I'm already starting to feel really good about what Fisher Wallace calls a brain stimulation device. This is a wearable device that has been cleared by the FDA for the specific treatment of depression, anxiety, and insomnia, and is already being prescribed by over 14,000 doctors and providers. The majority of people who use it experience relief within only two weeks without side effects. It's even safe to use in combination with medication. And of course, we know that not every medical treatment works for everyone, so this is why Fisher Wallace has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. That means you can use it for 30 days, and if it's not a game changer for you, you can return it for a full refund. Go to fisherwallace.com forward slash overwhelmed brain. That's two words, Fisher Wallace, F-I-S-H-E-R, Wallace, W-A-L-L-A-C-E.com forward slash overwhelmed brain. And use the coupon code brain to save 10% on your own brain stimulation device today. And do you need Indeed? When I told my girlfriend that I am going to be talking about Indeed on this episode, she said, I love Indeed. (laughs) She did love it. She said, I've used Indeed, and a lot of other people have too. And if you don't know what Indeed is, Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You don't have to spend hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills because Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. And Indeed does all the hard work for you. This is what my girlfriend loved. When you pay to post a job, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so that you can hire faster. People are still having trouble finding employees, and it shouldn't be that hard. Indeed's the only job site where everything's done for you, like I said, and you only pay for the applications that meet your must-have requirements. So if you're looking to hire, there's a reason more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And you can start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com forward slash T-O-B, like the overwhelmed brain, T-O-B. Offer is good for a limited time, so claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com forward slash T-O-B. Terms and conditions apply, and if you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
indeed.com forward slash TOB. Welcome back. I am going to read you a quick message and um, because I think I have a quick answer. And it's about someone else that has a tough time communicating. And uh, the result they get from that communication, I'm going to read to you right now. This person wrote, how do I get over the hurt I feel from the hurtful things that a relative said to me? We found out that my mom has some medical issues. So I text this relative to ask that she not cause my mom any unnecessary stress or drama. She immediately got upset and said nasty things to me. I didn't say anything that wasn't true, and I didn't say anything mean or nasty or call her names like she did to me. I have relatives that have always caused drama and stress, and I've always tried to stay out of their drama, and I don't have any relationship with uh, one of my relatives because of that. I couldn't hold my tongue when it came to my mom and her health, and I have not spoken to them in a year, and I feel like I don't want them in my life. I feel like my younger sister has chosen a side, and I feel hurt, but I also don't want toxic people in my life. I miss my relationship with my younger sister, but she has excluded me from many birthday parties, etc. I don't feel like I did anything wrong. How do I get over this feeling of hurt and move on? Thanks for sharing that. That is a great question. And I'm going to highlight something that you said, and I'm going to ask you how you feel about it. In fact, let me restate this to you. So the person who wrote this, I'm going to say this to you, and I want to ask you how you feel. Okay, so my girlfriend just got out of the hospital. She's coming home. I'm just letting you know that uh, she is very sensitive right now, so I don't need you causing any stress or bringing any drama into her life. Do you understand that? <laughs> okay, uh, that's what I said. If, I don't want you bringing any stress or drama into her life. Does that make sense? So this is me asking you. I'm restating it toward you. Now, you might be a direct person. You might say, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I would never do that to your girlfriend. Of course. No problem, Paul. <laughs> but somebody else might say, what are you saying? Are, are you saying that you I can't be trusted? Are you saying that um, I'm a dramatic person, that I'm just going to go over there and start flipping out on your girlfriend? What's your problem? I mean, of course I'm not going to do that. I, I'm an adult. I know how to handle myself. Why are you telling me this? Have, have I been this way with her when she's been hospitalized before? I mean, where is this coming from? Two different perspectives. Two different reactions. And why did your relative act this way? Now, you may have read what I was saying in my response to you just now. You may have read that maybe she took it that way. I'm sure she did. <laughs> I'm sure she did. In fact, drama is very likely a trigger word. Maybe you've said drama to her before, and maybe now that you use that word again, it reminds her of that time when you said you're so dramatic or you always bring drama or maybe she overheard you say that about her one day or maybe she picked it up from your sister or whatever but uh, especially you did say your younger sister so maybe your younger sister said that you said that she was always dramatic whatever it, it could be anything but 
I'm pretty sure what happened here is that this relative of yours is probably offended, is probably uh, upset that you think that she would just mess everything up. And you might say to me, but Paul, I, I was nice about it. I, I said that I just don't want any stress or drama in my mom's life. Um, but let me say this, this automatically implies that the person you're telling will bring it. So this is probably what happened. She probably thought that you couldn't trust her not to bring it. And maybe you can't. <laughs> maybe you know it will happen. But what ends up happening is that when people don't feel trusted, they get offended. Well, some people. When they don't feel trusted, they get offended. You don't trust me to do that. Uh, you, you haven't even given me a chance. See, this is where I'm going. I'm trying to be the relative that you said this to. You didn't even give me a chance to be comfortable and peaceful and nice to her. You just thought I was going to bring the drama, so I'm already accused before I do anything. So this pre-accusation exists, and I'm supposed to be okay with it? So it's very possible that she took it that way. And I'm not saying you did anything wrong. You had the best intentions, but it does sound like you have a history with her. And because you have a history, that can, anything can bring up that history and, oh, it's another problem. Oh, it's this problem again. Now you have a problem with me doing this. Now I can't do that. It's going to continue triggering her because there's been no closure to that history. And what is needed? I mean, like you said, she's toxic. She very likely is toxic. And now here you are stepping in, hoping that she doesn't bring drama or stress into your mom's life. So you tell her, please don't do that. Or just be careful. Just be careful with her. And whenever there's been a history where someone has been accused of being dramatic or overly over the top, <laughs> anyone who's been like that, uh, and there's been a history and there's been arguments, that is a hot button. And when you activate a hot button, even when you have good intentions, just expect this to happen. This is what's going to happen. There may be no way to communicate with her, just like the last segment. There may be no way. This is who she is. Now, what can you do about it? Can you say, look, I think I automatically assumed that you would do something, and that was wrong of me. That was wrong of me to assume that you might do something to uh, cause stress in her life. And I think I said that because um, of our history and our fights, and it was wrong of me to do that, and I'm sorry. Am I on your side? Am I on her side? I'm on no one's side. I'm, on, I'm looking at this from a, a point of view that if you want to heal things, one person has to move first, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be her. If you want to heal things, if you want to reconcile. So somebody has to move first, and sometimes it's the person that shouldn't move first, technically, because they didn't do anything wrong, but sometimes you do that. Sometimes you say, I'm going to be the bigger woman, man, person, and I'm going to do it. Because, you know, it's more important to me to salvage this relationship. It's more important to me to have a relationship than not. But you didn't say that. You said, uh, maybe I just want to keep this person out of my life. That may be the case too. Should you apologize? Do you feel like you should? 
if you meant no ill will, but it was taken that way, do you apologize then? There's a um, scruple. <laughs> do you apologize if you meant no ill will, but it was taken that way? I've learned in my life that communication is 100% on me. I'm not going to lay that on you, but if you want to change your life, if communication is 100% about you and how you convey the message and not how they interpret it, then you are responsible for your communication. That means if you say, hey, you're a great person, and they say, why are you being so sarcastic? You can say, oh, I didn't mean to be sarcastic. And they say, yes, you did, because that's how you are. And then they walk away mad. We can look at them and say, wow, they didn't understand what I said at all. They took it wrong. And then we might want to blame them and say, they interpreted it wrong. They, they took what I said wrong. But what happens when we take responsibility for our communication? We start to think about what we've said in the past, how we've talked to them in the past, if there's been upset in the past that has no closure, or even if it had closure, is it still a hot button? Is it still a trigger? Because if we take responsibility for our communication, then we think about how our message comes across or how it may come across, and then we say, wow, if I say that's a great, you know, that person's great, they might take it the wrong way because in the past, I was sarcastic. And so I am responsible. I'm 100% responsible for the way my message is communicated. You may not like that idea. <laughs> and I understand. And I'm not telling you you should do it this way. I'm just saying this is, this is the way I do it. And it has helped me tremendously to take 100% responsibility for my communication and the way it's conveyed. That way when somebody writes to me and says, what you told that person was abusive, I can review what I said and I can think about how I've said it and I can wonder if I could have said it differently and I usually find that they didn't hear the whole thing or they took it out of context and then I understand that it could be misinterpreted and then I might even say they misinterpreted it here's the whole message and then at that point I might say well maybe communication is at least 90% me <laughs> and 10% them. But in that case, you know, sometimes there are people that are going to misinterpret or misunderstand, and there's nothing we can do about it. All we can do is show up as congruent and consistent and honest in integrity and hope that people understand our message. But also, the philosophy I use is, yes, I am responsible for the message I put out there. Here it is. And if somebody chooses to say, that's wrong, or they misunderstand it, or they call it sarcastic when I wasn't being sarcastic, and they walk away, the communication is still my responsibility, but their choice not to listen is theirs. So I still am responsible for how I communicate my message, but if they choose not to listen, that's their choice. So it wasn't really my message. It wasn't the way I communicated. It was their choice not to listen or not to listen anymore. Because when you have somebody that says, what did you mean? Or what did you mean by that? Then we have a conversation. But if they're just walking out of the conversation, then my philosophy doesn't necessarily apply because they're choosing not to listen anymore. So coming back to what you said, 
I believe that it was probably a trigger and you probably have a history and because of that history, or I think you did say you have a history, and because of that history that um, no matter how you said it, she is going to jump right into feeling not trusted. It was offensive to her. And because it was offensive to her, she got angry because she felt like whatever, her dignity was on the line, her integrity, I don't know. And she may be absolutely toxic, like you said. You said that you miss your relationship with your younger sister, but she has excluded you from parties, birthday parties and stuff. And you said, I don't feel like I did anything wrong. How do I get over feeling hurt? And this is your main question. How do I get over feeling hurt and move on? Well, you know, if I were in your shoes, I would probably, and you don't have to do this, <laughs> I would probably reach out to the person I offended and say, you know, I probably didn't come across the way I should have. I probably said something that I shouldn't have said. I might even say, you know, I said this and I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. And I'm sorry. They may not take the apology and that's fine. They may still be angry with me and that's fine. They may call me a bunch of names and that's perfectly fine because what I've done is I've taken the ball out of my court and passed it to them. It's their choice if they want to pass it back. It's their choice if they want to continue the relationship or not, using the game analogy. I'm passing the ball into their court. Now I'm done with my part. I have completed my sequence. I have resolved my end of this. It's resolved because I apologized. doesn't matter if I was right or wrong or if it was misinterpreted. None of that matters. All that matters is that I've done this. I'm going to try to repair it. Or if it's not repairable, I'm going to move on. And she can do whatever she wants to do with it. But I've done my part. If she wants to hold on to anger, that's on her. Because I've done my part. So you asked, how do I get over feeling hurt? This is how I do it. I apologize even if I'm not necessarily in the wrong. Unless it's something awful. <laughs> I mean, if there was something that somebody did that was completely terrible and I was just so offended and hurt by it, I might have to um, move on, not apologize to them and move on because they were just awful. And maybe you feel that way. And in those cases, this is where I go. And I have episodes on forgiveness, which I think are important. I think it's important to understand what um, if we should forgive and move on or if we should apologize and move on or what should we do. My perspective is when there's been a wrong that I either have to be forgiving or apologize or whatever, I always look at how I showed up back then and I realize that I might have some uh, regret or anger toward myself. What that means is that we can carry hurt around because we are upset at ourselves at, in some way. And when we are upset at ourselves, whether we know it or not consciously, uh, it is helpful to say, you know what, I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to forgive myself for how I showed up back then, even if I don't think it's my fault, because there might be some residual over that. So this is how else I might get over hurt is that I look at how I showed up back then and I actually say I forgive myself a break for how I showed up back then. So the other person's not even involved. I want to give myself a break and I include forgiveness in that. I forgive myself a break because I need to forgive myself in case I have any anger or hurt. 
that I'm holding on to because I might have felt like I could have done better. Even if it's not conscious, like I said, sometimes you hold on to things because you think that could have gone better and maybe I could have done something different. All right, I forgive myself. I give myself a break. I forgive myself a break, however you want to say it. And when I do that, that allows me to let it go. That allows me to move on from it because now I'm taking care of any residual that's inside of me. You may never, ever be able to change her thoughts or her mind or her emotions, but you can certainly apologize. You can even say, I'm so sorry how that went down. You know, I think I could have conveyed it a lot better, or maybe I shouldn't have said anything at all. You may not even have to say, I shouldn't have said X, Y, Z. You could say, maybe I shouldn't have said anything at all, and I'm so sorry. You pass the ball into their court, and don't wait for anything back. Don't wait for them to say, I accept your apology, or it's okay. Just pass the ball and say, I'm sorry, I understand. And, you know, I understand that if you're angry with me and you never want to talk to me again, but I just wanted to let you know I've thought about it and I, I truly feel bad and I'm sorry. And then move on. Just put the ball in her court and then you move on. And then you're good. And then if there's any residual inside you, you know what? I forgive myself. I give myself a break for how I showed up back then, just in case that's in there. And uh, I, I love you, self. <laughs> I love you, Paul. I love you. You know, whatever your name is who wrote I love myself I or at least show love toward myself I support myself I help myself understand that it's okay you messed up maybe or maybe you didn't but even if it's in there you just say I love you and it's okay sometimes you need to hear that hope this helps thanks for tuning in I appreciate you we'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes right after this Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I'd like to thank the patrons of the week. These are the financial backers of the show. Deborah, Vanessa, Veronica, Holly, Robert, Chelsea, Allison, Somalia, Andreas, uh, Harriet, Anna, Brian, Paige. Well, quite a few this week. All wonderful to see you. Let's see your names. I love reading new names every week. These are the monthly backers of the show. They support the show financially. Very, very grateful for all of you. And Mary is a person who decided to donate. In fact, I think she set up a monthly donation. So Mary, wow, <laughs> thank you so much. All of you, you're very generous. Thank you, all of you. Thank you, patrons. Anyone who supports the show, I appreciate you. If you find value in the show like these people did, head over to moretob.com and you have options to give back. Totally optional, not telling you to do it. It's there if you want to. Love you guys. And if you want a show on how to deal with difficult relationships, visit loveandabuse.com. And if you know you're the difficult one in the relationship, head over to healedbeing.com. Two programs I run. One's a podcast, loveandabuse.com, and the other one is a a robust, life-changing program called healedbeing.com. If you're the difficult one in the relationship, maybe you don't want to do that anymore. Maybe you want to change that about yourself. First four lessons are free. Don't need a credit card. Check it out if you need something like that. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. 
And for my final words, you know, I was thinking about the first segment and how that person has to deal with her mom and her mom's so abusive and hurtful and intimidating or whatever. And it reminded me of somebody else that I just spoke with today uh, about her mom, like all these moms out there. Remember I asked, uh, who has a toxic mom? (laughs) Who has a toxic mom out there? A lot of people do. And um, one of the things that I told this person today was that uh, these kinds of people, the, the kind of hurtful, abusive people that don't seem to be considerate of your feelings, that don't seem to care how you feel, they have a very uh, selfish program running in them. They are very selfishly motivated and they are often driven by the question, how does this serve me? This happens in antisocial personality disorder. This happens in narcissism. And this happens in other emotionally abusive people that are just driven by selfish desires and also, like I said earlier, poor coping mechanisms. I can't cope with this, so I need to cope with it in some other way. How am I going to do it? I'm going to push my pain and my hurt and my suffering onto you. And I don't care how you feel as long as I don't feel it. That's uh, something I talk about in the Healed Being program a lot, actually, is that we push what we don't want to deal with when we don't have healthy coping mechanisms. We push what we don't want to deal with onto others. If we don't have to deal with it, then our life's easier. And that's very selfish because if other people are hurt, it's pretty much the definition of selfishness. You're doing things regardless of other people's feelings. You're inconsiderate and you don't care enough to stop. Even if you see them hurting, you don't care or you don't care enough because they're hurting and you're not stopping. So there must be some selfish program running inside of you. So this is what I talked about with um, the person today. I said, uh, these people walk around thinking, how does this serve me? Or at least certain people. I'm not saying everyone does this, but certain people walk around asking the question, uh, not specifically, but they'll want to know how it serves them. And if it doesn't serve them, or if it doesn't serve me, how do I twist it so it does serve me? How can I twist this situation so it serves me? Because it has to serve me in order for me to be involved with it. This is what happens. So if this person who wrote the first segment asks the question, how is this serving her? You might get some answers. Not asking her, but asking yourself, how is this serving her? If she yells at me, how does that serve her? This is what I look at is that the secondary gain that can happen is that they benefit from something toxic that they're doing or something hurtful that they're doing. What is the benefit to her? That's the person can ask that in the first segment or even the second segment. What's the benefit to that person doing this? If my mom yells at me, how does it benefit her? And come up, come up with an answer. Think of any benefit that you can. Well, when she yells at me, it's, uh, it's, it makes me cry. Okay, how does your crying benefit her? Well, if I'm crying, uh, she feels like she won. She feels like she doesn't have to talk to me anymore. She doesn't have to argue with me anymore. Does that benefit her? Well, yeah, because if she's not arguing anymore, she doesn't have to feel like she has to defend herself anymore. Ah, her coping, her lack of coping mechanism. 
She can't cope with it. She can't cope with the idea that she might be wrong. She doesn't want to cope with the idea that she can't defend herself, so she pushes it on you. Who knows? I mean, I'm just taking some stabs in the dark here, but that's the question is how is this behavior benefiting them? In fact, you can ask this question about anyone's behavior at any time, especially when it's toxic, almost always when it's toxic. If it hurts you, if it's hurtful or abusive toward you, about you, for you, whatever, if it's about you, if it hurts, ask yourself, how is this benefiting them? It's like um, I talked about, I forget when, probably the last episode. I've talked about this a lot, but when I used to do the silent treatment, it would benefit me to do the silent treatment with my partners because they would treat me nicer I was hoping they'd feel guilty to stop behaviors I didn't want them to do. They felt like they weren't being loved, so they would love me more. And what I was doing back then was very emotionally abusive because the silent treatment when used to cause someone else to feel like they aren't lovable or worthy of attention or make them feel guilty, that is very abusive. That's what I used to do and certainly... I I stopped that behavior because that is so hurtful and destructive to a relationship and it's just not healthy for me. Not healthy for them especially, but not healthy for me as well because now I'm not being honest, I'm not being expressive. So I used to do this as part of a, a bunch of behaviors that I used to do that I had to heal and I now look back at all of my behaviors and I ask myself, how was I benefiting from that behavior? What was I gaining? And I can look at every single behavior that I did that intentionally or unintentionally hurt someone I love and find out or figure out what I gained from it. And when I do, that helps me learn where I need to focus my healing. So inside me, I need to heal here. If I was trying to guilt someone that I loved into stopping behavior, what was the benefit of that for me? Well, the benefit would have been they would stop the behavior so that I wouldn't be angry and you know that's me blaming them for their behavior and me not taking responsibility saying that I was angry instead of saying I was angry I was silent so how could I heal from this I could just be honest and say look I'm angry when you do that you know that may not have been a nice thing to say still but it would have been honest I'm angry when you do that why are you angry when you when I do this because I, I feel this way Again, there, there might have been some healing I needed to do around that too. Like, why am I getting angry? Why am I being judgmental? Why am I being critical? But all of it has to do with asking myself the question or asking this question of people that hurt you, what are they gaining from it? And when you can figure out what they're gaining or at least take a good guess at what they're gaining, then you'll be able to figure out what uh, the reason they do the behavior. And if you figure out the reason they do the behavior, Uh, what they're gaining from it, then, like I was saying in segment one, then you might be able to change your response or reaction to what they're doing so that they don't benefit from that behavior and that can bring accountability as well. It's all complex. (laughs) None of this is easy, but it is something that I constantly think about if you haven't figured that out by now. But I am glad you joined me today, and I do hope that you always keep an open mind 
because that's how you step into your power and that's how you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.